Now listening to Real Friends, a movie podcast. Theme song guy. Oh yeah! He's the sovereign of the nation. He's the hippest cat in creation. He's the alpha, the omega, A to Z. Welcome to Real Friends, a movie podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Madison. And welcome to episode 49. We're so close to 50. <laughs> We're so close to 50, and we're so close to the end of season two. I know. Yeah. Which is cool. Don't you feel like you just, like, I feel like we just recorded Booksmart, and now all of a sudden we've recorded 50 episodes. Dude, I got, like, a, a one year ago today, and it was our graphic of uh, The Departed, <laughs> where we had Oh, the, the bracket? Yeah, it was the bracket. It was, like, one year ago today. I'm like, that was a year ago? That was, like, two months ago in my head. Oh shit, that was a good episode. The Departed episode was good. I gotta go back yeah. and listen to that. Have you gone <laughs> back and listened to any of our episodes? No, but I should. I was like, we. I think we're due for another retrospective. I think we're due. Yeah, we gotta get Peter Lee back on here. He's Shoot. just the best. I was in uh, the car yesterday and I like never listen to our episodes once we post them because I'm like, I just have- Well, because you edit them too. Yeah. Yeah. So I I know them so well, but I was in the car yesterday and I was like, I'm going to listen to Booksmart. And I put our Booksmart episode on and I was just like, God damn, that was so It's my favorite. It's my favorite episode. I also love Midsommar. (laughs) (laughs) Cackles internally. (laughs) Midsommar, I listen- I don't know. I know. Overcame me when we recorded and edited and then published that episode. I said what but I said. It's my favorite episode. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes. If so you know, listen, if you haven't listened to our midsummer episode and want some really vague tea, <laughs> <laughs> but if you know us, you know it's very specific tea. That's true. We say that like. Well, okay, I was going to say we say that like no one we don't know listen to this podcast, but like what's actually really cool is we're the knows. end of season two. And there's people who we don't know who listen. Oh, Isn't that well, weird? You, like, I love looking at our little yeah. stats and it's like, someone in Singapore was listening to your podcast episode. And it's like, what? <laughs> why? Thank you. No, thank but you. thank you. Yeah, listen yeah. to more. I meant why, like. Like, thank like, as a thank yeah. you. It's very, yeah. it's cool. It's very cool. It's very else? Nice. We got some New Zealands. We got some. Uh, we got some New Zealands. We're really big in France. And by really big, <laughs> I mean like we have four consistent listeners in France. We got some. Um, I almost like want to pull up the stats, but listen. Do it. Real, Wait, real France has gone. Yeah, let me do it. Okay, We're international. On. We're like, we're like a pitbull. Mr. Worldwide. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> World. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. He is wor- he has, he he is also worldwide. We have zero downloads in Africa. Oh. Sad. We'll we'll promote it there. France, Germany, Finland, UK, Poland, Peru, Brazil, Australia, Croatia. <laughs> I feel like that's like our personal friends who are vacationing in those areas and they're like, oh I need I need a I need an airplane podcast to listen to. <laughs> It's actually just us trying to like vary our stats. So we're just traveling yeah. the world, like download. It's not a bad idea. Do you want to go on a world tour? A Mr. Worldwide tour? So anyways. So we talked a little bit earlier, but what what is something that you have watched new? I actually saved these two things to talk to you about, but we haven't talked to each other in a while. I know it's been like three weeks since we last yeah. recorded. So I think that there's been quite a bit. And I'm trying to rack my brain. Do, do, because... do you want me to start? Yeah, can you start? Yeah. Last night, 
we watched Black Phone. Oh, Ethan how was it? Hawk. I had things. Did you like it? No, I enjoyed it. Good. Ethan. It was a it was a good, easy, like thriller horror suspense movie watch. It was so easy to watch. Like I liked it a lot. The kids who were in it, great actors. Good. Um I enjoyed it and I would watch it again. Good. Okay, that makes me yeah. happy and also reminds me of easy. something I've been watching, which is the documentary um The Last Movie Stars, directed by Ethan Hawke about Oh, is it good? I saw it. I did not watch it, but I saw it on my streaming. Very wonderful. Highly recommend. It's the okay. documentary about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Um, well, yeah. Really good. It's like eight episodes, maybe 10 episodes. And I I recommend like a sit down watch. I don't think it's a background okay. noise thing. I think like you're not going to get into it unless you're like watching it. But it's interesting because he made it during the pandemic. So he cast. And anyways, long story short, there's all of these like recordings that Paul Newman did in an interview that like talked about his whole life. And then after they recorded them, he like burned them. So he was like, no, I don't want these. But the transcripts still existed. And so Ethan Hawke hired actors during the pandemic to read these transcripts to bring them alive. So it's like George Clooney's Paul Newman and Laura Linney is Joanne Woodward and Oscar Isaac and like so many, I got like literally dozens of people <laughs> like bringing these amazing transcripts. So anyways, the, yeah, the last movie stars really, really Okay, great, I'm very like, down. Hollywood history documentary. You'll like it. Very down to watch that. And speaking of additional shows, please. I watched A League of Their Own. I liked it. Good. That makes I so watched happy. the whole we watched the whole series and I was just it was I was thrilled. It was just like well produced, greatly like great actors in it. Like it was so fun and it was just a good quality series. So I would recommend that. Good. I'm so glad because I know your expectations were high. So I'm really glad. They were high. Yeah. And I love Abby Jacobson so much. We're just, we were watching Broad City earlier today too, because it's the best. Good. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I saw, I don't think I saw anything else notable in the last couple weeks, which is inexcusable on my part. You watched Nope, but I haven't watched Nope yet. Yeah. Nope and Bodies, Bodies. Have we talked about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in the podcast? Did you like it? You, you oh. mentioned that you were going to go see it, but I don't know the recap. Loved Bodies, okay. Bodies, Bodies. Okay. Loved it. Go either go watch it in a movie theater with alcohol or put it on at home under some sort of inhibition. Okay. You'll love it. It's your classic slasher movie, a la Scream, but it's literally just taking like the same formula, but it's putting it into Gen Z. And Great. it's- so good it's really see it funny with? we had a screening at work so i went with my friend rachel <sighs> hi rachel and then some co-workers anyways should we yeah get into what we're talking about today may we may we this is for our french followers or for french uh followers in france Last up, you were German. Now you are French. <laughs> yeah. I did not remember the German accent until I re-listened to that episode. And I said, oh, it's okay. I'm German. I'm allowed to speak like that. Um, you are. You are indeed. But please tell us what genre you picked for this week. I will. I will. We're t- so this week we're talking about underrated animated films. And boy, are there examples for this one. Um, boy, oh boy. I just wanted to talk about something fun. I feel like we haven't really delved into animation that much yet. And also, I just think that it's a fun category. And you and I both love animation. We love whatever, you know, shorts, 
feature films, whatever it may be. Have we done any animated films yet on the podcast? We did. We did. We did My Neighbor Totoro. Right. Yes. Yes. I think that was the only one so far. So I was like, it's time. Yeah. Right. Agree. It's time. And of course, I'm the one to initiate because I love animation. and I just wanted to watch all these movies over again. So I know you do as well. Asking you, what are some examples that you have of underrated animated films? So as I was approaching this genre, I really had to think to myself, like, what are we classifying here as underrated? Because it's a great question. Yeah. Animation is kind of a unique uh, area of film. There's like... 20 that are it like these are the 20 animated movies the really big ones and then I feel like you could classify anything not in that 20 is underrated Mm -hmm. so like like there are Disney movies that are underrated but then there's also movies that are animated that I've like never even heard of that are probably underrated so I made my list of what I consider underrated and then I also phoned a friend uh who is my coworker Marissa, shout out Marissa, um, who one, of course, loves movies because we work at a film festival, but is also our graphic designer. So is a huge maven in animated films. Yes. And so I made my list and then I had Marissa send me their list. Great. Because I knew that they were going to bring in some really good ones. So my list for underrated animated films and for me, underrated meant Yes, you've probably seen them, but I just don't feel like they're talked about enough. Yeah, the absolutely. The animation. First one, The Iron Giant. Yep. Thank you for saying it because nobody submitted it. But and no I actually seen haven't it. seen it, but <gasps> I know that it is an underrated film. Yeah, I know. Sorry, Bird. I know you hate when I react I know. that passionately, no, but you love no. it. It's so lovely. I know. I should. I should so watch lovely. it. See, so there we go. You are. See, you this love is animation. why I do. I haven't seen it, yet, but I know I should. Yep. There's this movie that Hannah and I watched literally nonstop as children called The Flight of the Dragons. Do you know about this movie? No. Tell me about it. It's just about some dragons and they're flying (laughs) around, but it's really beautiful and we loved it as children. Haven't seen it in 20 years. Don't know if it holds up, but I've never heard anyone talk about it besides me and Hannah. So if anyone has seen Flight of the Dragons, please let me know because I'd love to talk about it with someone. Next up, how about the page master? Yes, Macaulay Culkin again. We, Macaulay, is our second Macaulay reference of the of the episode of so the far. Ep- half animated, half live action. What a wild ride! Yep. And unlike its like counterpart, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I think is perfectly rated. It's not I, underrated. I yep. Mm-hmm. Page master, I think, is an underrated. The Great Mouse Detective. Yeah, really good one. And then finally, this is the one where I feel like it's most on the cusp of like, I don't actually know if this is underrated. Fern Gully. Yeah. Thank you. You said all the ones because I couldn't put like Fern Gully and Iron Giant myself because I've never seen them, but I know that they are underrated, but people have watched them. You know what I mean? So that's, those are perfect examples. Yeah. Okay, good. And then I'm just going to breeze through Marissa's list just to get like another perspective here for us on animated films. This is, I would consider Marissa to be like the expert in underrated animated films. So I'm lucky to have had their perspective (laughs) and their list is as follows. One, The Road to El Dorado. Yep. Two, The Secret of Nim. Mm -hmm. Three, The Prince of Egypt. Mm -hmm. The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Which I think is a Miyazaki movie. I've never heard of it. Tekka Kincrete. And then finally, Paprika. 
I have not heard of the vast majority of those movies, but I wanted to give a little Marissa Corner because if she recommends them, yeah, yeah they are they are worth watching. But Love it. Emily, this is the whole episode. This is like this is the episode. So we need to hear everybody's user submissions for agree. this reason. Agree, Emily. What is your list? May I? And I, I'm very proud yeah. of mine because there again there were a couple. I'll start with the ones that people have also said in our user submissions, but starting right. off strong with Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs 1 and 2. Nice. So sweet. We love yeah. those movies. A couple yeah. of people uh, also submitted that. We're going to go with B-Movie. Yep. <laughs> I've watched B-Movie like four times, and I just think it's great. And I, I told Madison earlier, Madison's about to move apartments. I was like, I don't know why, but for some reason, the last like two or three moves I've had, I just put B movie on in the background and I just like pack like a motherfucker. So B movie, really good. Jerry Seinfeld. Um, another one that I know my friend Laura and I really enjoy, Meet the Robinsons. <gasps> yes, I'm Yay! so glad you said Meet the Robinsons. I've got a okay. Big head and little arms. And little arms. <laughs> I would also just like to say that. That came out probably when I was too old to admit this. What, like eighth grade, probably seventh, maybe sixth grade. What year did that come out? I feel like it was not. Let's see. 2007. So I was in eighth grade, way too old to admit this. But I had truly the fattest crush on the future kid in that movie. The the black haired kid. Yeah, he's hot. Good for you. Good. Yeah, he's he's a hottie. Wilbur. Wilbur Robinson. What a <laughs> babe. I was 13 years old. Too old to have a crush on a cartoon. No, no, I don't I don't agree with that. I think you were perfectly old enough to have a crush on that that cartoon man. Thank um, you so much. <laughs> Thank you so Meet much. the Robinsons. Great movie. The frogs just like fucking singing like uh, Sinatra. Like amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> a couple more. I'm going to get shit for this shark tale <laughs> i don't give a shit charlie my old roommate and i we love shark tale it's it's chaotic um and, i know the and whole I'm two shifts at the factory just to put food on the uh, table but then i didn't take care of it because she passed away like the whole shrimp monologue if i were to like become an like any sort of actress <laughs> in my life and they're like oh can you choose a monologue from a movie <laughs> to do i would choose the shrimp monologue from shark tale <laughs> you're a fucking person he's, he's growing and he's fairly he's fairly happy, happy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but a stump so that's a great thank you for understanding me enough to also quote along with me shark tale uh incredible incredible film, yeah, incredible um, film. <laughs> and then lastly this is what i call I want to like shout out other ones, but I know people also submitted it, but I call this like the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, but Thumbelina, Swan Princess, and Anastasia, three movies that people like always think are Disney films, but they're not, but we all grew up with them. Um, And I know that uh, our good friend Rachel T also said Anastasia and then our Kelsey's Corner, Kelsey also mentioned Swan Princess, so I will not. So shout out to them in the submissions, but those are like the three I feel like that are most watched by our generations. Are those all Fox? I don't know. I feel like Anastasia's Fox. Anastasia's Fox. I think Swan Princess is Fox. Okay. I think that's right. Who the fuck made Thumbelina? I have no idea. But like maybe Fox. Maybe. And now that Disney <laughs> owned Fox, do, are they yeah. all Disney princesses now? Technically, I don't know. It's too. It's too much. Too much to get into. But we want to go into the user submissions um, because they're 
it's just utter perfection. Everybody did such a good job, except for Marilyn. I love it. you, Marilyn, but we're going to – Yeah, Marilyn. Yeah. I love you, but we'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Starting off strong, Lion King 2. Kara, yes. Amazing movie. Thank you so much. Any Lion King sequel would have been appropriate to put in yeah. this in this category. One and a half, I, right? I do think like the Lion those. King sequels are probably the best of the animated OG sequels. Yeah. I also want to throw in uh, Little Mermaid 2. You do love Little Mermaid 2. Yeah. Ariel's coming. <laughs> That's the only quote I would like to say from that film. All right. Next up, <laughs> next up, we have, this one makes me laugh a lot because I weirdly know that she loves this movie. My friend Annika submitted Quest for Camelot, which she loves. She loves the music from Quest for Camelot. So thank you, Annika, for flying in with that brilliant submission. Camelot makes you laugh a lot. I oh. eat ham and jam and spam a lot. Dun, 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 dun. That's that was Monty Python from the Holy Grail, but I just like the rhyme, so I went with it. Uh, next up, Rachel P said Prince of Egypt, which you also mentioned earlier. I believe did you mention that one earlier or no? That was on Marissa's list. Marissa's list. Okay, good. So I'm glad yeah. that, I actually saw Prince of Egypt when I was a young child and I did not get it because I was raised Buddhist and there was a lot of like <laughs> Like a lot of like undertones of like the Bible and like every like you know like the biblical stories of it, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. But That's I did see actually, it in theaters. You know what would be a really fascinating episode to do is movies with heavy religious undertones because yeah, you raised Buddhist. My parents are not religious, but I went to Catholic school my whole life, so I like was watching Chronicles of Narnia as like an eight year old, and I was like, we oh. get it, he's Jesus. <laughs> move on so it would be interesting to do that episode from our perspectives and can we do chronicles of narnia yeah yes i mean literally like any there's so many examples we get it as well yeah yeah i love that yeah i'd also just like to say that there's a scene in chronicles of narnia that i can do from start to finish like all five parts of it because i learned it when i was like 10 and it's never exited my mind so you're lucy by the way lucy pevency yeah you little liar. You didn't believe her either. <laughs> You're Lucy Pevensey. Anyways, next up. <laughs> we got All Dogs Go to Heaven, submitted by Daryush. Always on point and correct. I want to roast Daryush a little. Not roast. It's not. Sorry, that was really rude. No, roast him. Daryush also submitted. He submitted like five different things. So we love to be loved the participation. But Daryush also put Big Hero 6 in. Daryush, and I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention that. Again, like you you mentioned, Madison, like your qualifications for this category earlier. Mine mm-hmm. are like, it did not get the recognition that it, it deserved. deserved. And Big I Hero, Big 6, Hero won, 6 got too much recognition. It won, it won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. So anything I feel like that won, like an yeah. award, I was like, not on my plate. But are you sh- it is it is true that All Dogs Go to Heaven, in addition yeah. to your other submissions, were very good. Yeah. I love this next one, Lilo and Stitch. Submitted by our, our friend Crystal. Listen to our Avatar episode where Crystal kills the game. Yeah, she really... Crystal's the best person who's ever been on this podcast, including us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, fuck, do I need to, like, step down? <laughs> Crystal I think on. we both need to step down and just send our yeah. mics to Crystal. Yeah. I also watched Lilo Stitch, like, for fun the other day, and I just enjoyed it. It's yeah. so good. Is it underrated? I think it's underrated. Okay. I'll allow it. 
I like yeah. that they're making a live action Lilo and Stitch. I don't like what? it, but I'm also like really, yeah, they're doing a live action Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, who just signed on to direct it is, um, who the fuck is it? Dean Flesher Camp just signed on to direct the live action Lilo and Stitch, who does the Marcel the Shell movies. I know. Doesn't that sound great? Well, now I'm on board. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. great. Yeah, exactly. Great. I would not have been on board, but I saw that and I was like, yep. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. We'll watch. Next up, we have Surf's Up submitted by Emily. Great movie. <laughs> I love that nobody put Happy Feet because that was a that was a highly rated film, I think. Yeah, that- Surf's Up is like same, same, but different. <laughs> Surf's Up is the weirdest movie, but I loved Zoe Deschanel, yeah. Shia LaBeouf, uh, Jeff Bridges, John Heater. No idea Whoa. how I know this information off the top of my head, but yeah, I no, I'm impressed. Thank you. Um, this one's the one that really grinds my gears, but Marilyn, I'm saying it because I love you. Marilyn put the book of life, but she had to include the disclaimer, uh, better than Coco, in my opinion. Wrong. I'm sorry, Matt. Marilyn, I love you, and you know how you respect opinions, and I'm glad that you think that, but I respectfully disagree. I think I love Coco so much, and it holds very dear and near to my heart. But book of life is probably itself an underrated animated film so we'll give you that marilyn i love you i'm sorry that i yelled at you yeah well she was wrong but anyways moving on yeah (laughs) uh great submission balto submitted by great can i tell you a really fun fact about this yeah so anecdote time everybody Mm -hmm. laura is my very good friend there's a balto statue in central park and Laura loves the statue so much. Like when we went to visit her, when she was also in the New York area, she brought us to the statue and was like, I just love the statue. I come visit it every single time I'm here. <laughs> and then Scott proposed to Laura in front of the Balto statue in Central Park. And it makes me so happy every single time I hear it. And she like won't shut up about Balto. She loves Balto. Also, Laura loves Meet the Robinsons. So we always talk about Meet the Robinsons. So I love Laura so much. Um, Mazel Tov, you and Scott are getting married. Uh, congratulations. So to Balto. Laura and Scott and Balto. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually taking a drink. Me too. Next up, from our friend Armando, we have Box Trolls. I love the submission because I was highly debating putting a like a movie on my list. Yeah. And then I was like, no, because I feel like for any indie studio Leica has been the most recognized like it always they always get an academy nomination they always do well at the box office but I love box trolls because I think of all of the Leica movies box trolls is the most underrated so I agree with I 1000% agree too and I love the box trolls I think that you and Armando and I probably watched box trolls at like an early screening when it came out and I that movie was so fun. A lot of cheese yes. references. Yeah, really yeah. good. I would wager to say that might be like probably my favorite Leica movie. I was debating between that and Coraline, but I think it's Leica. I mean, I, love, I think it's Box Trolls. I really like Box Trolls. Yeah. I agree. It's definitely not Kubo and the Two Strings. Anyway. <laughs> so this one makes me really laugh. Tiffany submitted Rock a Doodle. <laughs> great submission tip it's so good like it makes me like so happy i was like oh fuck yeah i remember like and it's so fun like watching these people submit all of these because i'm like i remember commercials or like trailers for these movies before my other vhs tapes you know i'm like yeah. rock a doodle i loved watching i was like what a wild ride this might be <laughs> 
Man, I gotta watch that. Like, truly impressional minds. Yep. Man. Next up, submitted by Austin, we have, who's Queen Irene's husband, we have Robots. I don't think I've seen Robots. Tried to Google it and I accidentally said Cobots. <laughs> oh, don't don't click that. Um, <laughs> and lastly, we have Victoria who submitted Fifel Goes West. Yeah. Which I, so many cute little animated movies. I'm so happy that all of our th- there were so many submissions for this one. I think it might be actually the most submitted uh category that we've had. So very good job, everybody. Um, And I'm going to dive right in to let you know the movie that we're actually going to be reviewing today. So we're talking about other underrated animated films. Today, we are going to be talking about, of course, the 2000 film, The Emperor's New Groove. So The Emperor's New Groove came out, like I just said, the year 2000, directed primarily by Mark Dindal. This film stars David Spade as Emperor Cusco, John Goodman as Pacha, Eartha Kitt, my queen, as Yzma, and Patrick Warburton as Kronk. And if you have not seen this film, The Emperor's New Groove follows young and self-centered Emperor Cusco, who accidentally is transformed into a llama by his former advisor Yzma and her henchman Kronk. For the emperor to change back into a human, he entrusts a village leader, Pacha, to escort him back to the palace before Yzma can track them down and then finish him off. (laughs) So, Madison, I want to hear from you first what this movie, like, where did you first see this film? What's your what's your background on this movie and uh, what is your experience watching it? I had not seen this movie for a very long time until you picked a category. (laughs) So I really thoroughly enjoyed rewatching this as an adult. Like, was like laughing out loud by myself on my couch. So thank you for that. But watched this a lot as a kid. Loved it as a kid. Still remembered it pretty well. But I completely agree that this is an underrated animated film because I think that I myself had been underrating it, that I had not rewatched it in my adult years. But I love that you chose it because my nephew, who has impeccable taste in film and cinema, who is 12 years old, is very emphatic that he thinks that the funniest Disney movie is Emperor's New Groove. He's very passionate about that opinion. He's very passionate about Emperor's New Groove. And he just formed this opinion in the last few months. So it was very fun for me to rewatch that. And I'd just like to say, Alex, you're correct, my dude. This is... I think this is the funniest Disney movie. It's funny. I wrote a note down specifically that said this is the funniest Disney animated movie. Like to this day. This came yes. out in 2000. Yes. To me this is the funny and it holds up so well. So Alex, I, I'm I'm impressed. I feel like it's a thing that people like to talk about like the hidden adult references in disney movies right and there's like certainly some pretty dirty ones in like older disney animations and then there's a lot of obvious ones and stuff like the muppets mm-hmm. this is a dirty movie <laughs> i love it i love every bit I of it. Love it i love <laughs> it and not even like hidden references we'll get there but i just had to tag that <laughs> yeah and i will say too so i watch so from my experience watching this movie i saw this movie in theaters with my friend sid because Franz, my dad, who we love, he took us to go see this movie. So we were like 10 when we went to see this for the first time. And he was like, let's, let's go see a movie. So we went and it was like our, like 
our play date day. And we went to go watch this movie with like little, little expectation because we're like, oh, we've seen like a commercial for this. Like, sure. Like, let's go see this new movie. And we were like crying laugh. I just remember crying laughing the entire time because we had no idea because this movie itself is very different from the other movies that came out during this time frame. It's considered part of Disney's post-Renaissance era. So the Disney Renaissance, which we all know, I say that like everybody knows, I'm not I'm not going to say that. So the Disney Renaissance was from around 1989 to 1999. So that's when Disney animation really produced all these like pivotal films that we grew up with. So there's movies during this time frame like Little Mermaid, you know, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hercules, Beauty and the Beast that came out during this time. And then Emperor's New Groove kind of came right after that time frame. So to me, it's not like in my mind, I don't associate it with those movies because to me, it just is something completely, it's a, it's a different category. It's not a musical. It's something that is based like specifically on slapsticks slapstick comedy and I just think it's a perfect film and I remember do you remember like very a few years ago there were like brackets going around where people were like it was a big thing it was like oh do your favorite like musical bracket do your favorite Disney bracket do your favorite like football team bracket whatever it was and people were just like doing brackets and I remember getting so frustrated because my Disney animation film bracket was so hard for me to narrow down (laughs) but at the very end of the day, my bracket came down to my favorite Disney animated film being Emperor's New Groove. <gasps> yeah. Which is That's a fucking it's a huge lot for you. I know. I love animation. <laughs> I do think you're right that I do think that the year this came out is like did kind of pigeonhole the underrated part of it because it came out, I don't want to call it a slump. For Disney, mm-hmm. but I think it came out during a time where Disney wasn't quite sure like what to do next yeah. because it was coming out amidst all of the sequels. It was coming out right. like right around like Lion King two and Beauty and the Beast two and Little Mermaid two, hundred and one Dalmatians two, right? So like all Dalmatians. of those things. Excuse and me. then the thriving part of Disney at this time was like Pixar was in its heyday in two thousand. Oh, totally. like, Pixar was on the fucking upswing, and then Emperor's New Groove just kind of gets like plopped and it just kind of happens and we'll talk about how this movie happened which is a wild Wild. story Mm -hmm. how this movie got made but I do think the fact that this came out in kind of like a weird time for animation where Pixar had been doing CG Pixar like released Toy Story five years before this and that was innovation at its finest right and Pixar also upped the game so much in terms of we're going to show you an animated movie, but we're going to make it just as fun for adults as we are going to do for kids. Yeah. Like Disney, I feel like made this by sheer happenstance. And it just, I don't, I don't know how it doesn't get the credit it deserves because it's so funny, but it's like a weird, I think just our minds don't know where to place it in terms of animation because it's like, is it a Disney movie? Yeah. Yeah. It is a Disney movie. But it's also funnier. Yeah. Yeah, there's no music it's like it's it's a it, it has music but it's not a musical it's like where do we kind of go into right. that is it the first no it's not the first disney animated but i feel like it was the first like bit blockbustery disney animated that wasn't a musical maybe yeah maybe i know that's not true there's like bambi yeah 101 dalmatians like yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. there's there's other ones like that but but 
shall we just i just think we gotta let's, dive let's, in let's get him yeah, oh, yeah, wait yeah. no 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 first mm-hmm. we gotta do quote game <laughs> and boy is this going to be difficult to do because there's so many quotes <laughs> in this movie I, that i say on a daily basis i had such a hard time but i'm gonna just go with my gut okay. reaction okay ready yeah yeah three two one for the last sorry, time, sir, we did not order a giant group. trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but you threw off the emperor's roof. Sorry. <laughs> did you know that that old man in the very beginning, he's the voice of Piglet? Stop! Isn't no! that sweet? It makes it so much more sweet. I was going to say it makes it so much more sweet. I threw sad. off the emperor's roof. <laughs> Beware the groove. <laughs> and then I have a backup one too, of course, because I love this movie. It's oh, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? You're excused. Anyone else? No, we're good. Everybody else has like been turned into an animal. No, we're all, we're good. <laughs> I'd also just like to say, in relation to the cold game, that even like the parts of this movie that are clearly pandering to like the youngest part of the audience, like the three year olds with like the squeakity squeak squeaker, yep, still make me laugh. Still oh, funny. <laughs> like, I, it's the funniest Disney movie. We already kind of talked about it. Alex proclaimed it early on in his youth. Alex knows. Alex knows all. Your nephew's very smart, and I think yeah. that we should have him on next time to talk about Emperor's New Room. Maybe but, I'll, yeah. you know what? Actually, before we move on, I'm going to reach out to Alex, and I'm going to have him make a quote about a quote. how he feels about this Can movie. You- and I'm going to insert it right here. So, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Alex. Alex. Alex Zimmerman. Alex. <laughs> so the reason why I believe or think that Disney is the uh, Disney's most funniest animated film is um, The Emperor in a Groove. Now, why I think that is a good question. Um, you see, there's really none other animated movies that Disney has made, just like The Emperor's New Groove. It's very unique, like all of their movies. So with that uniqueness, they took it to more of a comedic turn, how they just seamlessly throw it to you. A lot of funny jokes that turn around unexpectedly. Like whenever um, Pacha was showing Kuzco his house and how the right sun shines so that Kuzco could just boop, eliminate and just and just crush his house with like a, a huge empire with like a pool and everything. It's all Kuzco because that's all he really cares about. And you take a second to think and you're like, wow. <laughs> You just kind of like laugh at it because it's it's funny how Kuzco just doesn't care about anybody and you, you know. To give a, a little bit more background before I go into the nitty gritty, it's very interesting just for stats that this movie actually performed disappointingly at the box office compared to other oh. Disney films. Which again, I take offense to because I'm like, I watched this movie in theaters. I was part of this <laughs> box office. For this. Listen, at least three. Well, my dad paid for it. Three tickets. I had no. I had no salary at the time, but still, and, I went to go see it. And also, in their defense, in 2000, it probably cost you guys like six dollars each like, to go to the like place. pennies. Pennies. <laughs> so it grossed a uh, hundred sixty-nine point five million dollars, and this movie was on a hundred million dollar budget. But the fat the film actually found larger success when it went into when it was released into in-home media. So like the sure. DVDs. Going into kind of the background of the film, Madison, have you ever heard of the documentary The Sweatbox? No. May I tell you about no. it right now? 
please. So (laughs) this is a very, it's a pretty comprehensive documentary about the making of The Emperor's New Groove, but previously was called Kingdom of the Sun because, as we know, this movie was inspired by ancient Peruvian culture and set in an Incan empire. This documentary, you know that Sting... Sting sings that end credit song that we know that in my opinion, I really don't like the end credit song because it seems like a ballad right after the end of like a fun, uplifting movie with like fun, like upbeat music. It feels like it doesn't fit. And there's a reason. There is a reason. So Trudy Styler was the, she directed the Sweatbox. There were other filmmakers who were also associated. And I don't know if you know this, but Trudy is married to Sting. Part of the contract of Sting coming on to Kingdom of the Sun was that Trudy could make a documentary feature about the making of this movie. Mm. So coming from somebody who has a pretty like okay background in animation, there's so many iterations of the story that comes from the making of the movie. First of all, do not undersell yourself. You have an okay. extensive background in the history <laughs> I of like, animation. I like animation. I know animation. You've worked in animation. So say it again. Say it again. <laughs> start over. <laughs> so so in animation, you don't start with a script like you typically do in live action. Typically, it comes from like a seed of a story where you're like, this is the story. Here's the pitch. Here's the seed. Let's go for it. And then as you're making that movie... The script kind of evolves over time where you there's so many different iterations that you make of the script of the movie to make it something that it comes to. This movie, Kingdom of the Sun, has been in production for many years. And the person who originally was set to be the director was Roger Allers, who directed one of our favorite, not even underrated, our favorite rated correctly films, The Lion King. Fantastic movie. So Sting was brought on to this movie to write the music essentially. So kind of like I would equate it to like Phil Collins who wrote the music for Tarzan and also performed all of the music in Tarzan that came out yeah. in 1999. It did seem it did seem like it was like this giant sweeping musical project and it seemed like oh, yeah. it was something that was capitalizing on the success of Tarzan. Exactly. So in the documentary which I watched, it was I, I've always heard about this documentary and I'm glad that I chose this movie to talk about with you today because it gave me an excuse to watch this documentary, The Sweatbox, which I've never seen before. It's like only yes. available online. Um, and it gives the whole comprehensive background of the making of, which is now today, The Emperor's New Groove. And it's yeah. so cool to see the behind the scenes of it because it was not edited in a way that was like, PG like they say bad words in it which I really appreciate like they say shit like oh there's a couple fucks in there they say weird shit anyway well um, it's it's I love that it just so happens that Trudy wrote it into the contract that she wanted to make a documentary yes because what a dramatic fucking making of like it, that worked out so well because it could have just been a little 30 yep. minute documentary about like a making of a really holistic disney movie but right. the, Cute the way this movie came to fruition is fucking wild it's, it's wild. wild it's yes. wild owen wilson originally played pacha owen wilson played a 16 year old pacha whereas mm-hmm. the storyline was more so like a prince and the pauper kind of thing where yeah. there's like a llama farmer and then he meets the emperor who's like a spoiled young boy who likes like i want to do this and then they switch places so mm-hmm. Classic story. 
That's obviously not what we see in this movie. Yeah, it was like a little switcheroo kind of story. But as we have later found out that this did not work out for the people who are part of the filmmaking experience, like the brain trust, in the the people who went went in the sweatbox were like, this is not working. This has been in production for so long. We have to kind of like switch it up. So that's when um, the director who came in to help out initially, Mark Dindal, came in to become the primary director of this movie. Yeah. So Sting, the thing that I found most interesting was that Sting was like very heavily involved in the making of this movie beforehand, Mm -hmm. where he made it like a hardcore musical where like Yzma has like a whole villain song where she talks about being young and beautiful, which only makes it more funny now that we're watching this movie that like she's old as fuck. (laughs) And like, that's like a whole like plot point of this movie. You know what I mean? So there were like musical elements to it, but now of course, like that was scrapped to make right. it more of like a slapstick comedy. The whole thing is wild. It's wild to me that when it was supposed to be a musical, they had cast they had cast Owen Wilson and David Spade, who who am I to say, but I can't imagine those two men having the most <laughs> wonderful singing voices. And then it's crazy that also Eartha Kitt, who was always attached, yeah. doesn't have a singing role in a, she like, does. of course what's not yeah, not in the movie itself, right. but she originally did. Yeah, right. have of course, a song. but it's it's it's. I love that Isma. Like, it's funny that Eartha Kitt did a movie that doesn't have a singing role. This was like a crazy cast, and it was like almost complete. Like this animated feature yep. exists somewhere and was almost complete, but it was testing so poorly with test audiences that they just scrapped it and literally kept the bare bones of the movie and right. kept Owen Wilson and kept Eartha Kitt. And they were like, I guess let's just make a comedy. And Mark Dindle just yeah. came in and... No, they scrapped Owen Wilson. They're like, bye-bye, friend. Oh, sorry. I met, I yeah. met David Spade. David Spade. Yeah. David Spade. So it's interesting. So the things, like, there were, like, four seeds I feel like that they stayed with. They have oh, they have uh, David Spade as Cusco. They also changed his name because the original name translated as something very inappropriate in Japanese. So they had to change the name to Cusco. Um, So there's Cusco, who is always the emperor, like a a young, spoiled kind of person. We had Pacha, kind of. We had had Llamas, and we had Yzma. So Yzma was like the advisor, kind of like a Jafar character. And the person who character designed like all these Disney villains who we know and love, like he, he was like, I designed Jafar. I designed every, all of these people. Like he was the one who was designing Yzma. And I just love, they made her older and older in the different iterations because like, she used to be like a young beauty. She's obsessed with beauty. And I just think it's so funny that they're like, yeah, in this movie, she's like an older, (laughs) older, which is so funny. Um, But that's kind of like the background of the making of this movie, which sounds stressful. It sounds intense, but I'm so pleased to see that this movie like the seeds of this movie came to fruition and now we have the emperor's new groove which yeah. is like a universally loved movie by yeah. our generation plus many more can we talk a little bit about mark dindle for a second because i of find course. this man fascinating yes let's go because i feel like this was the perfect movie to choose for underrated animated films because i feel like we can dub mark dindle like the king of underrated animated films let's talk about it so he got his start as an effects animator and he's worked on so many great movies and in these titles we're going to be like that's an underrated animated film that's an underrated animated film so here's some examples. Fox and the Hound is not underrated. That's perfectly rated. Ugh, I cry Mickey's Christmas time. Carol, The Black uh, Pilgrim, oh. 
underrated. The Great Mouse Detective, we already said it. The Brave Little Toaster, underrated. Uh, Oliver and Company, underrated. Mm -hmm. And then he worked on some of the big ones, like The Rescuers Don't Under, Tom and Jerry the Movie, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin. So this guy's working his way up as an effects animator. And then the first movie he directed was Cats Don't Dance, underrated animated movie. I saw that on movie lists and I did not include it in my, do you, I just remember seeing the trailer for Cats Don't Dance and yes. being like, wow, I'll watch that one day. Have not watched it since. Have not watched it since. No. Yes. So, so he got his start directing Cats Don't Dance. That was in uh, 97. And then as you said, kind of fell into the Emperor's, uh, Emperor's, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> Jesus Christ. One beer. Here I am. Kind of (laughs) fell into the Emperor's New Groove in 2000. And I mean, like, literally, like, stumbled into this project that was, like, such a mess that they were like, all right, I guess we'll bring in this guy as our fourth director and completely change the project. He does Emperor's New Groove in 2000. And then in 2005, he does Chicken Little, which makes so much sense, right? This man has not we made talked a about, movie. I love that this is our second Chicken Little reference in the last yes. like two or three episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this man has not done a movie since 2005, Chicken Little. He is doing the new Garfield movie with Chris Pratt. This is going to be his first movie since Chicken Little. So literally 17 years later. I'm sure it's going to come wow. out in a couple. Yeah, so more than 17 years later after Chicken Ladle. Chicken Ladle. <laughs> chicken ladle chicken ladle chicken ladle chicken ladle coming back and he's doing garfield so anyways i just think he's really fascinating because his his tone makes sense for this movie if you're thinking about chicken little and you're thinking about cats don't dance um and it kind of gives me hope for this garfield movie that i had no interest in seeing and now i'm kind of like mm, i don't know mark seems to have some sort of tone so I do feel like Mark Dindle is a necessary component to why this movie is so funny and why the tone feels so different from any other Disney movie. But I think obviously the key players here, are the, vo- the voice acting in this movie is unmatched. It's hilarious. Yep. Who's your, my first question you, to you was like. You know, you know who my favorite person is. Tell me though, I want to hear it. Well, I have two, I have two. <laughs> yeah. You can't get better than Kronk and Yzma. No. Like you, you simply, can't, can't. I'm so sorry. Like, like whenever anybody hears Patrick Warburton's voice, like whenever you're at like Cali- like soaring over California and Disney, Kronk. like like that's Kronk. That's, like, that's Kronk. Like, the one thing. Kronk and Isma, like Eartha Kit. I'm sorry. Like you can't. And of course, John Goodman is fantastic. He's always fantastic. Always. Yes. Yes. David Spade, great as Cusco, but like Eartha Kit and Kronk is like my favorite duo. Of all time. Patrick Warburton. Like that's who he is. That's that's his that's his voice. Yeah. He I I, you love Eartha Kitt. And Eartha Kitt like inspired, and you can see how she like inspired the character. Patrick Warburton, I just feel like is like I don't he's a comedic genius. He's a genius. (laughs) He makes me very happy. And again, at Soren over California, you're in the ride, and he like, is the person who's like, I'm the flight deck captain. Be like, no, you're Kronk. Like, you're Kronk. Oh, yeah, come on. Nice try. <laughs> Good try, friend. Kronk, we know who you are. <laughs> I'd also so just like funny. to shout out his main photo on IMDb is a photo from the tick. It's him. Yeah, the tick. <laughs> it's so funny. 
that man is an underrated comedic genius. And I also would just like to say, I think a lot of people in this movie are underrated because one of my favorite comedies, and maybe it's just because it has a soft spot in my childhood, is a David Spade movie, uh, Dickie Roberts' former childhood star, which you and I talk about all the time. Underrated the time. movie. So yep. we have to Correct. shout that out. And Correct. an underrated Fall, Waterfall, Dickie thinks he's got it all, but I don't. But I do. And boom, with his attitude. Okay. Yeah. Peace, punch, pack, and crunch. Yeah. And that's <laughs> Anyways, great movie. Bang, bang, do that thing. Do my thing. Mess <laughs> um, me, mess you up. But, like, it just seemed like one of those movies where when you're listening to the voice acting, it feels like things are, like, uh, improv Like, it seems so organic and I think and they are, too. Like, I think that actually when 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 Kronk is going down, you know, like, and he's, like, trying to hide Cusco's body. He's trying to get rid of it. And he's doing his own theme music. Yeah. I think that was all improvised. And, of course, they keep oh. it in because it's brilliant. <laughs> They must have had so much fun. It makes me so happy thinking of an adult just like in a sound room by himself. And they're like, so uh, now you're doing this. And they're like, got it. And then they're just funny and having a great time. Makes me happy. Um, It's great. I feel like this is a good place to shout out all the dirty jokes in this movie. Yes. Okay, let's go. Number one, one that stood out to me is at the end of the movie. When Cusco is a human again, and he's talking, I forget who he's even talking to. Maybe like a servant or something. I don't know. But he's talking to someone and the guy shakes his hand hard and he goes, hey, I have to use that hand later. (laughs) I've never. So quick. It's so quick. In like in like an exchange where they're talking over each other. But he's like, yeah, yeah, of course, buddy. Like, oh, hey, I have to use that hand later. And I was like, (laughs) god there are but that's why i feel like that's why it makes this movie timeless because we can keep rewatching it and keep appreciating it because it's so it's still so funny for any person at any age completely agree there's also i like it because there's so many details that i always watch in this movie that i have not gotten before so my favorite it's like a very obvious one i guess nowadays but as a child i never realized it but you know when like kronk is mixing the potion and then Yzma, he's like, don't drink this drink poison. And then Yzma throws hers in the plant. And there's a cactus behind her mm-hmm. when they're at the dinner. And then it's a cactus. She pours the, she like pours the drink behind her. They like cut to Cusco. They cut back and it's Yzma just sitting there innocently. But behind them, the cactus turns into a llama. Like it turned, like the cactus plant looks like a llama. <laughs> afterward oh. <laughs> i've never noticed it until like the last rewatch i was like oh my god <laughs> it's so it's such a unique like fun experience when you notice little things in animated movies because yeah like and they hide those things for a reason they want right. you to find them and i think what's fun about it no matter what age you are or like how you notice it i think what's fun is that like in a live action movie they're so immersive that we just take the actual artistry for granted. So like even you and I, who are trying really hard to watch them and think about those things or filmmakers who are like the most professional people to do those things. Like live action movies are just so immersive that like some, a lot of the times we're not even paying attention to the artistry when we're immersed in a world, we're just Mm -hmm. paying attention to the story. But animated movies, when something like that happens, you immediately understand the intent behind it like you know that there were adult animators in the room who were like you know what we should do 
And you even understand that as a child, that you're like someone intentionally made this little decision that I just noticed and they would be happy if I noticed it and they put it in it so that I would notice it. And it feels like so personal and fun. It does. I'm so happy about that. Even like, so for me personally too, like there's that end, it's like very small and I never even thought of it until like I was researching this movie, but there's a scene where Cusco and Patra are like looking through the potions at the very end they're like rifling through to try to find how to turn him from a llama to a human yeah they're looking through yzma's potions and then they go lions tigers bears and then yzma's voice comes in and goes oh my and i was like oh that's like whatever like we all know that that's like wizard of oz whatever but then madison again as i've mentioned in our holes episode i remember as a child watching eartha kit in wizard of oz you know, at in San Francisco and like the stage play, and I was like, "Oh, it's funny because she was the Wicked Witch in this stage play." You know, like it's so cool that they have those kinds of small jokes, and that was like a very like that could have been a joke for anybody. Like, it wasn't even that exciting or funny, yeah. but I was like, "Oh, it's cool," because in my mind, I'm like, "She was in that play probably in like yeah. 98, 99 and then they put that joke in, and she's like you know, was the Wicked Witch of the West in the play, and then they put that joke in for no reason whatsoever, and I was like, I get it. That's really fun. (laughs) And I think what's fun, too, is, like, because animated movies, like you were saying before, like, happen so differently, and they're not just derived from one script, it's such a hodgepodge process, and, like, actors most of the time aren't even recording in the same room, So they can't, like, bounce off of each other that, like, references like that have to be so intentional. And it's cool. And and again, it's something, like, because we understand just, like, the surface level of the process that this is all, like, puzzle pieced together over sometimes, like, states and time, right? Like, this is not done organically in one room. Like, it just makes the intention behind, like, references Mm -hmm. and jokes and things like that, like turning the cactus into a plant took time and effort or turning the cactus into a llama took time and effort when they could have kept it a cactus. So it's just like. Exactly. And even nowadays, like that was like, this is back in 2000, but nowadays too, it's cool to see how virtually people have like become so well-versed in animated films where you have people who are making animated movies and the voice cast has to go into like their, like their closet because it's the best sound area to record their voices yeah, just to like produce an animated movie during the pandemic because it's like you can't go into a studio in person or like traveling might be harder. It's cool to like be able to do that wherever you might be, which kind yeah. of explores additional opportunities for people in order to like produce this product, which I think is really impressive. Totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's really cool yeah. to think about how things have evolved since to, I mean especially in animation how animation has evolved in the last 22 years is like yeah truly it's impressive and like it's cool like looking back to and being like these are underrated movies but it's also fun researching the movies and being like well that was right like all these other movies and like I can't add these to my list because they were so recognized which I think was yeah. really exciting like I was like oh Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse amazing film can't put yes. that one down any Pixar movie, pretty much, more or yeah. less. I was like, okay, like, these are all, like, recognized. Like, these are all really good. Like, and a majority of Disney movies as well. But there are, again, as we've seen on our list, underrated movies, overrated movies, and then, like, perfectly rated movies, which I think is fun for us to get to talk about today. I have a 
the way you just phrased that made me, I have a question for you that I feel yeah. like you are a very equipped person. You are the person to answer. Okay. What do you think is the most underrated Pixar movie? Because it's hard Pixar to say movie? because, yeah, because like maybe underrated. What Toy do you Story think 4. is the most? Fair. And I'm saying that because it's hard to compare Toy Story movies because mm-hmm. I feel like typically they're all good. And I think that like capping it at Toy Story 3 was amazing. But I think mm-hmm. that Toy Story 4 did not get it, it won best animated feature. Toy Story yeah. 4 did. But I was like, I feel like in terms of like the, the all four of the movies, people don't appreciate it as much as they should. Yeah. But the comedy is there. Like the comedy oh, is so there. funny. And I think I that I definitely feel like I got more emotional in Toy Story 3. But Toy Story 4, I was like, this is a fun movie that people typically overlook because of the excellence of Toy Story 3. But TS4. TS4. Really maybe. good. Yeah. Yeah. What do you good think? One. I would throw maybe Monsters U into that. I love Monsters Mix. U. I really like Monsters U. And that's I feel an like underrated, that, that, that isn't that's an underrated animated movie. Yeah, I think so for too. sure. That's a funny movie. It's funny. The little snail at the end. In the beginning. <laughs> I wish I had pockets. Yeah. Oh, little Mike was like I wish little baby Mike Wazowski could be with me all the time. Thanks, Joe! <laughs> Baby Come Mike was asking you walk puzzle. so that baby Yoda could run. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have on Emperor's New Groove. Do you have anything else to add? I can exit us on one final question for you. Okay. That I have. We have both locked in um, uh, in agreement with Alex, yeah. the master, that we think this is the funniest Disney anime. I'm impressed movie. by Alex, by the way. Yeah, me too always yeah. Yeah. um i would like to ask you excluding yzma who do you think is the funniest disney villain because i think what's so great about yzma is she is pure fucking comedy but she's yeah. still an effective villain so it just kind of got my wheels turning Ooh, like the funniest who is, who's the funniest disney villain i have Oh God! I have to say Hades. That was my Hades. answer. Yes, <laughs> my answer. I have to say I haven't been those choked up since I got my hunkin' with Saka caught in my throat. Huh? Um. Yeah. I also have a theory on Hades. So you know this that obviously that they announced like the live action Hercules like three years ago they greenlit it like a long time ago I'm waiting for it to come out let's go I'm waiting I have a theory that the reason they have not been able to move forward is because they're like how do we cast Hades because he's the perfect role and I'm just like who was the was it James Woods who was the original Hades just cast him like I I don't know what the problem is just cast him just cast him literally just amazing Yeah. I also, you and I, I remember when I was at your apartment in Oakland earlier this year, we cast the live action Hercules and I think we did a really <sighs> great job and they should just hire us. It's, it's true. Remember I wore my, uh, my pain and panic shirt that I have yeah. from Disneyland. It's really, yeah. Really good. Yeah. It's perfect. Okay. Madison. Mm-hmm. Great question. Mm-hmm. Let's get on to next week. This is mm-hmm. kind so this is episode 49. That's big for us. Uh, But I think we're doing something more exciting for our next episode. Not more exciting. That's rude to us. We (laughs) we're doing a special next episode. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
we're doing a special that we're very excited about. So uh, as we mentioned at the top of this, we do our seasons in 25 episodes. So season 50 will be the end of season two. Episode 50 will be the end of season two. Uh, at the end of season one, we had our friends Allison and Melissa Villasenoron, and we talked about Hocus Pocus. And so we try to do something special with our finales. And so... For our season finale, we are going to be bringing on our friends from the podcast Light the Fuse, which, if you had not listened to it, is an awesome podcast that is all about the Mission Impossible movies. And we are bringing them on to talk about one person because they are the experts in this person. Emily, what are we talking about next week? Oh, we're talking about our king. King of kings. Yes. Tom Cruise. Hell yeah. (laughs) And you know what? We know we're talking specifically about his acting in these movies. We've already done Edge of Tomorrow, but Madison and I can't shut up about Tom Cruise. Nope. Like we have so many, there's so many movies that he's in that we love so much. So we're inviting the experts to come on. They will give us a little bit of a background on Mission Impossible, but primarily we're just going to talk about our love for this man because he's perfection. Will I be talking exclusively about Rock of Ages? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But uh, tune in next time to hear more about it. (laughs) It's going to be them talking about Mission Impossible, you talking about Rock of Ages, me talking about Interview with a Vampire, and nothing else. That's it. I think that's good. Join us next week if you love Tom Cruise, if you hate Tom Cruise, if you feel really divisive about Tom Cruise, as we all do, and we're going to fucking get into it. We're very excited. Exactly. I'm very thrilled. And if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at realfriendspod. And also just like rate, review, and subscribe. Tell Tom Cruise. Tell who else, Madison? I think you got to tell Owen Wilson about us because he got kicked out of this movie and he needs a win. Yeah. Tell John Goodman because I feel like he's just a gem. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Sting. Tell Sting about us. Yeah. And with that being said, I, I'm pretty sure that is showbiz, baby. That's showbiz, Showbiz, baby. baby. Bye. 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 Bye.